Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to your favorite podcast at 801 in part three of this call to action series. Uh, all good things must come to an end, but it's going to come to a very exciting end as we kind of round out the third perspective here that uh, we're talking about on this call to action series. So to recap, we had uh, Ruby with us in part one, a student from the University of Michigan. Uh, she was the author of a, le of a letter. Uh, then in part two, we were introduced to Ralph uh, from the Syracuse University who was the recipient of a letter. And today we have, uh, we're extremely grateful to have our third guest here, uh, who's gonna talk to us a little bit more about the post uh, work of a letter. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, Ryan, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to everyone? Hello everyone, my name is Ryan George. I'm an actor, creator, director, artist. Uh, I'm, uh, I currently live in New York City. Uh, uh, but right now I am in Gainesville, Florida, directing The Mountaintop at the Hippodrome Theater uh, in town, regional equity theater down here. And we'll also, right after that, do a collaboration with the University of Florida and the Hippodrome Theater on a project that was uh, greenlit by the University of Florida School of Theater Dance, along with uh, uh, the school overall, the University of Florida from grants that they were able to garner. So I have that. That's what brings me here, working, thankfully. And then... Um, and soon in a couple months i'll be in uh Ar uh arvada colorado which is not too far from denver and i'll be doing um performing there for six months with three for th three plays in rep uh there so i'll be spending the the winter and spring in uh colorado and so i'm looking forward to that as well a very cold winter <laughs> and probably cold spring too let's be real. maybe i hear i hear i hear the denver area doesn't get that bad. So I think, uh, I think I'll be all right. If it's uh, any, if it's anything like New York city during the winter, maybe, you know, maybe cleaner snow, then that's good. <laughs> that's that's good true. Me. That's true. Yeah. Uh, well, well, hats off to you, Ryan, for keeping busy during these times. Uh, so that's, that's great. That's a lot to say right now. Hmm. Uh, so, so congrats. Uh, surely I'm sure it speaks very highly about you and your, and the reputation that you've formed for yourself. So congrats. Thank you. Um, uh, so yeah, Ryan, thank you for being here. Thank you again for your time. We're always grateful for anybody that's willing to join us here and especially willing to, to tell their story. Uh, we know that everyone's story is very personal and uh, we've just kind of created this platform to kind of elevate other people's stories. So uh, in this case, it's yours and glad to have you here, Ryan. Um, uh, again, we know what we're about to talk to uh, talk about, but uh, I figure, uh, especially as an actor, you can kind of appreciate uh, a little bit of an actor warm up here that uh, we're going to kind of introduce. So kind of give us uh, it's going to provide us a little bit more of a perspective uh, as to who you are, uh, a little more fun facts from you. And uh, mm -hmm. it's just kind of a quick, quick way of to kind of warm up our, our muscles here. Uh, so what we're going to do is do a little rapid fire. Uh, I've got 10 questions lined up here. Uh, really, the only rule is that uh, we require little to no thinking when I ask you this question. So uh, I'm going to ask you a question in no particular order. And whatever comes to mind first, uh, that will be your answer. You're locked in and committed for life to life. For <laughs> minute, okay? uh, you can good. never change it. Right. Uh, so <laughs> uh, so so uh, I'll ramp you up. Uh, nice and easy. Um, we, we got a little snippet of your resume there. And 
uh, as a performer from the beginning of your professional career, uh, what has been your favorite show that you've been able to perform in? Uh, the Brother Size uh, at the Gable Stage in Miami. Oh, that's uh, that's home. That's in my backyard here. That's great. Yeah, I'm from Miami. So, yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Uh, great. Um, who would you consider your role model? My mother. She's strong. She's funny and weird. And so she's definitely, she's definitely a fantastic role model. And I, <laughs> to be an artist, you need those in your life for sure. <laughs> those are great descriptors for your mother. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Uh, uh, favorite superhero? Uh, Superman I, is usually the first one I think of because he's the, you know, I always thought of him as the, the coolest, uh, but it's definitely changed over time. But we're going to go original. It's uh, Superman. He was my, he was my first uh, yeah, yeah. big superhero. Yeah. Uh, so Ryan, you remember those Saturday morning cartoons when we were little and, uh, and wait, what was your favorite Saturday morning cartoon? Oh man. One that pops out of me is uh Jackie Chan adventures. It was all like on the kids WB or whatnot. It was the animated TV show of Jackie Chan and like his uncle and stuff's trying to stop these guys from stealing these ancient talismans and things. And I was a huge Jackie Chan fan growing up. I loved all his Kung Fu movies, like Jet Li movies, you know, you know, Jackie Chan, all, all Hong Kong Kung Fu movies. And so the fact that there was an animated TV show was great. And so, yeah, that's definitely what I watched religiously might be on that. And, you know, like uh, Pokemon as well, too, when that was on, was always great. Uh, and Animaniacs, always great. But Jackie Chan Adventures was also pretty pretty tight i love all those throwbacks in that one yeah. answer there animaniacs <laughs> uh wb the wb yeah. uh, itself yeah. that that's great mm -hmm. uh uh going back to shows to theater shows what is your favorite show Ooh, uh, i'll say um uh damn uh, i'll say Shit, I, that's hard. That's a hard one. Uh, I'll, I'll say uh, my favorite one so far. I'll say is um, this play that uh, I throw a random one. It's this play called Thirst, a, a play I did at the Contemporary American Theater Festival because it's a new play. It's only it's only been done twice, but it, it, the reason I love it, it's kind of a surreal in the future potential, like post apocalyptic play, and you don't get a lot of those. Uh, and it's 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 set in the like 20 years in the future and the war and the United States have kind of broken down to another uh, civil war. And so there's people living out in factions and, you know, technology isn't as strong as it used to be. And so like definitely played on that talk had a lot to do about politics and race and like how would we survive in America in general. And so I'll say that one because it was kind of, a, you know, it, I, I as a fan of like science fiction and things like that, you'll get too many of those to do in theater. And so this one had that sci-fi post-apocalyptic uh, uh, lens. And so I'll say that's that's been my favorite play so far that I've either seen and or been in. I'll, I'll say it's that one. Yeah, yeah. Sounds yeah, yeah. Like a cool and C.A. Johnson wrote that play, if anyone's interested. It's uh, Thirst by C.A. Johnson. Awesome. That sounds like a cool show. Uh, out of all the roles out there that you have not played, what role would you love to play? Hmm. Uh, I mean, classic wise, probably, probably Hamlet. I haven't done 
him in any setting. Uh, uh, I would say him and uh, and it also I don't know because the, the role might not have been written yet as well too. And I also like the fact that you know the role that I might want is being made right now at the moment or be made in ten years. I'd be like, yeah, that's the one that someone else is doing. Then I really really want to do it. So uh, so the easy one is Hamlet as a classical piece. I'd like to attempt that probably at some point. Um, and the and anything contemporary or new, you know, it's 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 not out there yet. So once it's there, I'll you know I'll probably know. Uh, don't think it's missed on me, Ryan. I appreciate these little loopholes that you have found to my answers of oh, my yeah, favorite yeah, 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 my yeah. favorite <laughs> shows so far, and <laughs> that role may not be created yet. Uh, good one, good one. All right, I got it. I appreciate it. Uh, as an actor, do you prefer to to perform live in a theater setting or TV film setting? My my instinct is is to say live in person because I also grew up playing sports growing up and there's nothing better than performing in front of a live audience and getting that energy so i'll always i'll probably always agree that performing live is is better is a better experience and you know film and tv it's its own medium and i love it too for for what it does but in terms of like action like creating art in a space with people immediate uh uh gratification and energy and response uh there's nothing like performing live so that will always be I always have that as a higher uh, desire to perform in front of people. Nice, nice. Final three questions here. What is your fi- favorite animal? Ooh, uh, a hawk. Hawk. Just, oh, uh, yeah, cool. Well, I mean, yeah, any type of bird of prey, but so a hawk, because <laughs> uh, I, I, if I could choose a superpower to be to fly, and so usually anything that can fly is, is pretty high on my list. That's cool. Uh, what is your favorite relaxation activity? Oh, probably playing my Nintendo Switch, probably playing like Super Smash Brothers or my PS5 playing any of my games there. But gaming is a uh, is how I zen out. And I, yeah, I, I've been a gamer since I was a little kid. So gaming always gives me happiness, even though I might get really pissed off at the game for a little <laughs> bit. You know, but like it is it is the way I relax uh, playing video games. OK, and final question. Put yourself in this scenario. This is an, an infamous scenario that I'm sure we've seen many a times on TV. You are the final contestant. You have $50,000 in your hand. Do you walk away now or do you go with what's behind door number three? Oh, uh, probably walk away with the 50 grand now because if I made it up to that point, I've already started making calculations what I could do with that, <laughs> that money. So I'll probably walk away with the 50 grand. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'd probably lean a little bit to the conservative side of the 50 grand though you know it's it's more like it's more like 55 45 55 45 of what not i would take <laughs> the number take the, what's behind the curtain but i'd probably take the 50. well spoiler alert uh there's a hundred grand behind door number three so i'm sure i'm, sure, I'm sure that's exactly what's back there <laughs> <laughs> uh that's great these are all great answers uh i really enjoyed uh uh your answers here at uh, so thank you. Thank you for entertaining us here with that. Uh, thank you for the questions. They were great. <laughs> um, okay. So now that we're all warmed up here, uh, getting to the uh, meat and potatoes of our story here. Uh, so, so help me along, Ryan. Um, University of Florida, uh, uh, 
I, I guess I guess give me a sense because you were you were a student there. Uh, you mm -hmm. were a student there before this this letter. So uh, just give us like a little for context purposes, just give us a, like, a little snapshot of of what the school of theater at the University of Florida was mm -hmm. pre all this pre pandemic pre letter pre all this stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah, so I attended the University of Florida School of Theater Dance. I got my Bachelor of Fine Arts in performance, theater performance there. I was there from 2005, 2010. Um, and I was fortunate enough that I remained relatively involved with the school because the, the theater in town, which is what I'm here to, uh, to direct the show in, I started working there my last semester of school, started building a relationship, and then became a company member there soon after. So I was always coming back into town and because I did maintain some good relationship with some of the professors who are still there now, I was always, you know, coming in to check in on them, you know, uh, catch up, meet some of the new undergrads there at the moment. And during my time there, uh, as compared to what it looks like now, um, definitely the student body at that, at that moment was, was much more diverse in its landscape in terms of undergrads and graduate students. And so my experience at the school in terms of any type of, uh, racial inequity or or any racial trauma or anything like that 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 occurred there i was very fortunate that i didn't experience very uh, very much to little uh, in regards to that at the school and i think because there were so many students of color there we all felt relatively safe with each other uh, and you know there's definitely students there who experienced different things than i did for sure and their stories are extremely valid and have been part of this whole journey but I kind of escaped a little bit of that, most of that. Um, so in, it's, it's all come out the years later, especially as the, the school in general, the University of Florida has become a bit less diverse, more priced out when it comes to who can actually afford to go to the school. Some of these uh, archaic and problematic systems have started to show, rear their heads again with, with conduct from faculty and staff and even the student body itself. And so, and so what, all that has led to, and this is, you know, things that have come from, it was, that was even before my time, what, what the pandemic and, uh, and uh, uh, the big social activist summer that we had last year, a lot of those things started to come to a head because these students who, uh, uh, you know, I give all the credit in the world for, have, have found their voices and realized how much power they actually had. And all those, those uh, skeletons started coming out of the closet. And so, my connection to the school was always relatively strong because I was always coming back in town to perform. And so I always kept in contact with the new undergrads who became, who graduated soon after or new or MFA students and stuff. And so I would always be there as like a buffer for some of their frustrations and things. Cause I was at least a face or alumni face, especially as a, uh, a black alumni, someone who they're like, Oh, you're doing this and you're doing that. Okay. Someone I can connect with cause they're, there unfortunately isn't a large, or at least, you know, for a long time, uh, the connection with the school and alumni was was kept, you know, from here, a professor here or there on small on smaller scale, but not on which the a larger scale that I felt the school could be capable of and probably should do. Um, and so, so, you know, I kind of became a um, an anomaly in that sense where like I kept, I I represent what the what that connection could be, and that came more from my desire and also like the 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 convenience of building a good professional working relationship with the theater in town, 
So, you know, I just was like, oh yeah, great. Of course I'll, I'll go back to the school. I'll go talk to the professors I really enjoyed and like talk to these students. Cause I'd love to have had that information come to me from an alumni who would be in town. I wish I could have had that. So to me, it just made logical sense. And so, so because of that connection and because of when this letter and all these things started coming out, I found myself in the, in the middle of, of, of communicating between alumni undergrads and the faculty and staff because I had found that I put myself in a position where I was uh, a third party that both uh, both groups could interact with that had an intimate understanding of the school but also enough distance away that I could give some sort of objective uh, 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 consultation uh, and uh, also be frank and not and because I've also am not um, uh, tied to the school in that way where we're in the fact where and I don't I don't have to worry about suffering any penalty so I can also be very blunt and honest because I don't have to worry about anything coming my way because the school doesn't pay me school doesn't do any of that for me you know the I the the, the Hippodrome theater is its own separate entity so I wasn't afraid of being uh, uh, punished in any form or fashion and so I think being in that sphere allowed for me to be uh, a good facilitator for conversations in either direction. And um, and yeah, and so I was more than happy to be there for the students because I was always there from the beginning. I always you know, wanted to hear what they were doing and give them encouragement or give them advice. And then also, you know, very uh, 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 appreciative and also, um, I was also very eager to talk to the faculty and staff, especially the ones that I had Great relationships with already and you know discussing the things past traumas that some of them may have perpetuated or 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 blind spots some of them didn't know they had and you know have those difficult conversations with them and also encourage them to do the work to let them know like hey you know you things can change things can be done better but you're gonna have to listen and you're gonna have to take a lot of of what these students, the current ones and the alumni are about to drop on you, because this is years, generations worth of of trauma that uh, that you as a school represent because you represent the system. And so there comes, you know, there's going to be a lot at first, but it doesn't mean that it can't be worked through with with care and patience. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely want to expand more on that on that ending there, those last couple of comments that you made. But uh, but going back a bit. Uh, it, it's interesting to highlight uh, that, well, first of all, more importantly, to highlight what you were just saying of there was, there was obviously different perspectives, uh, different stories that happened, even, even along your years as a student. Uh, but strictly from your perspective only, while you were a student, you did see some diversity on campus and, and you did note that. So that's, that's kind of like an interesting highlight there because yes, uh, you're also saying that that diversity has scaled down mm -hmm. and primarily if I'm hearing you correctly, be, because of strictly financial reasons, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a major, a major aspect. And I think a lot of massive institutions, especially predominantly white institutions, have seen that. And, you know, the University of Florida, again, I, I love the University of Florida, but also, you know, when you love something, you should be able to be very critical of it. But, you know, I think their strive to become top five uh, these last few years has also created 
some blind spots and on, on who they're excluding to get in there. Uh, and their focus is seems to be more on numbers rather than the actual experience and education and and uh, uplifting of people and of the student body. And so when it becomes a numbers game and you start losing scholarships or you start only wanting to focus on getting students from certain areas, those things kind of crisscross with race and ethnicity. Um, and so it's, yeah, money has a lot of factor when it, uh, is, a, is a big factor when it comes to a lot of these things, but definitely that's a major factor because that it leads the school to like, who, who do they go to to get their money from? Who are they actually able to see come to campus? Who's actually able to make campus trips or come to the department to see it? So then you have faculty and staff who are not being exposed to new uh, students from all over and they're only getting a certain pool. And because they're also extremely busy and have all other responsibilities, they're not, they're not going out to search for themselves. And also maybe there's no mandate for like, okay, we're gonna have to expand our search because the university overall isn't attracting the students that we want uh, a more diverse pool of students. So, you know, do we get money to, to, to allow us to go out to these places, all this stuff. So like, yeah, it's, it's money's a huge factor. Um, and, you know, when you have legacy kids and all this other stuff, like who gets the spot? Like it's, it's all, all, all tied up, but I think yeah, money is definitely a huge factor of like how you lose diversity in, in most programs when, you know, uh, uh, diverse, the minority populations in certain areas tend to be low, uh, lower in the income bracket or, or um, even the health bracket, like all, the, all those things all contribute to, to who gets higher education. Right, right. And, and so now it sounds like you've kind of, uh, if we fast forward a couple years after your graduation, and, and now it sounds like you've kind of laid out the foundation as to uh, that, that, that bubbling that was kind of going on in the background, right. That it would ultimately get us to that letter. So, uh, uh, we've, we've got our, we've already established financial limitations. Uh, we've, we've potentially established the overall mission of a university, uh, being a little misguided or maybe a little too tunnel vision, yes. uh, at least, and, and not realizing the ramifications of this new direction, um, to, to put it mildly. Uh, so, so you've got all these contributing factors now that are beginning to kind of boil up in the background. And that, that brings us to, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, that brings us to the last year is, is uh, according to the, to the timeline here, that last year is when the letter uh, was ultimately written. And, mm. and furthermore, you are a supporter of the letter, but just for our audience sake, uh, you mm. weren't the author of the letter. That is correct. correct. That is correct. No, the uh, the author of the letter was another individual along with other undergrad students who put their work and time in it. But I was someone that these that the creator came to and asked for support for myself and if I could share amongst the alumni as well. And I did. And that's where those other alumni have signed on to show their support. So I was I was not part of the writing of the letter, but I was there at the beginning to to help show my support and care for for this and guide it along through a, the alumni channel, so so the undergrads also felt supported in mm -hmm. in the mission to mm -hmm. to pass this letter on. Yeah, and through the series, uh, besides the the three different letters at the three different universities that we're highlighting, your yours being one of them, uh, mm -hmm. we've uh, John, Jen, and myself have actually had the opportunity to read other letters. Uh, mm -hmm. Not to mention that 
the industry in general, the public in general, uh, you know, there's definitely been some schools out there that their scenarios have been made more public. And, uh, and, and part of what we're trying to highlight on this series is here we are talking about three different universities, three different states, three people that essentially don't know each other and look at the similarities in their call to actions, in their demand list, right? And uh, I, I can't recite your letter verbatim here, but it, it had a lot of the similar stories of here's examples that occurred to us as students, uh, as minorities, as, as BIPOC students, here, here were the wrongs that we had to deal with. Uh, here was the lack of correction examples that were out there uh, in, 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 uh, in production, in performance, uh, uh, musicals, et cetera, et cetera, uh, was, was all laid out here. And because of all this, we we're making these demands. Uh, you need to do A, B, and C. Uh, we expect a response from everyone soon, right? So. Uh, I think I think I'm very I'm very much big broad strokes here, but I think I'm I'm highlighting the essence of your letter, yes. which very much matches the essence of every other letter that we we presented here. Um, mm -hmm. So so that letter gets submitted. Uh, would you happen to know ballpark about how many signatures uh, that letter had? How many supporters? Um, from the alumni, I think maybe between. 15 to 20 uh, for the one, you know, the ones who were able to sign, I think something like that, 15, 20 alumni. And then of course, I assume the majority of the, the undergrad student body was behind, but, but I think 15 to 20 mm -hmm. alumni signed on, if I could, if I remember correctly. And, and, and that might also include ones who maybe didn't sign on specifically on the thing, but told me uh, uh, that they were supportive of this. They wanted it to go forward and that if they needed uh, if the undergrads needed more support in any other way, they were willing to do that. So their names might not appear on there, but definitely uh, uh, 15 to 20 alumni, uh, at least at, you know, and these were acting alumni or acting or performance alumni. So who knows from uh, the production side who may have also been doing work behind the scenes in that action. So I also don't want to discredit or discount uh, the, the pressure that may have been coming from alumni and those other aspects. Sure, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, to, to better understand the logistics, if you will, uh, this letter was conveyed via email to an individual or all the faculty at once. Uh, who, yes. who was on the receiving side? Yes, it's, uh, it was definitely uh, uh, the, the director of the school, Peter Carpenter, he got it, but then all faculty and staff started to either get it immediately or started to be cc to and start to spread in that way. I think it might have also been posted on social media as well. And one of the, the student groups on Facebook that that also the teachers are able to see, I believe so, uh, where like alumni and undergrads, in fact, you all can see it's just a big post for, you know, all student stuff, opportunities, things like that. And so I think it might have been posted on social media group as well, too. Mm hmm. And, and th there was ultimately a response uh, uh, and that came from, from Peter, from the Dean. Yeah. Uh, for the director of the school, Peter Carpenter, and also the Dean of the, of the college of the arts, uh, Zuzu. So she was also uh, sent this letter as well. So you had the director of the school of theater and dance, and then you had the Dean of the college of the arts. So the, so you have the two main leaders in regards to that. So they were also sent that along with the uh, faculty and staff of the School of Theater and Dance that as it started to trickle through to 
professors, TAs, and, and, and you know, it just started to make its way and then to the student body as well. Mm -hmm. So like it just started to, as, as they do, spread like wildfire. Sure, sure. And, and, and I think regardless of what side of the line you stand on here, I think we can all agree that uh, one letter isn't going to be the end all solution. But mm -hmm. uh, in, in brief, uh, what did you think of that response? Did was it what is it was it a step in the right direction? Did it kind of gloss over things? Did it not cover enough? Was it good, bad? What what are your opinions about that? No, I think the response, and you know, and this is now we're a year later, so we have I have more context, and as well as Jen does more context of the work that's been done. But definitely, the response I thought was was good because soon I think if it was before the letter was sent or soon after me and Peter, because I'd met Peter briefly beforehand, like before the pandemic had started, like that February, I think I'd, I met Peter Carpenter, the director of the School of Theater Dance while I was there, just stopping by the school to see some friends and see some people at the Hippodrome. Um, and I, you know, met Peter then at that time. And then uh, when the letter was sent out, I forget how I think, but him and I got connected, we started talking because what I wanted to relay to him and so it might have been me who reached out to him after the fact. But what I wanted to relay to him was that, you know, this is, you know, we have a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of pain coming from the current students and a lot of the alumni. And, you know, I'm here to help you in what way you might need, because I know you're new, because Peter's was relatively new to the school. I think he was just only a year and a half in. So here's this new director coming in, and he is as it tends to be, you're the face of the system. And so he's getting all this stuff where he has no context. He has no history to it, uh, for it. And so uh, I offered myself to him in that sense of like, hey, I'm here to help in terms of gathering information because sometimes that's what you need to do is gather information. He was, and what I appreciate and respect about Peter is that he was very open to that. He wanted either information that I could get directly for the alumni, but also opened himself up to alumni to directly talk to him. So what I would do is reach out to alumni, all the alumni I knew from my time, the one, before my time to time after, just asking for stories that they felt comfortable with sharing. And if they felt comfortable sharing with him, get, get exchanging that stuff so then he can start building a dialogue with alumni himself and personally start getting that so that he becomes a much more open and uh, open face and open uh, uh, vessel for the alumni to trust. Because now what you have now is that there's a lack of trust. And so what you need to do is start rebuilding that. And a key thing to do is to be there and listen. And, and because one thing he has in his favor is because he's new, you know, he, he does, he's able to have a little bit of distance because he's like, no, I'll, you can give me all this stuff. I know it's not about me. So I know I can, you know, because I'm, I don't hold any promises to anyone at, at the school, I can start something new. And so I think he even though he was the face of it for things that weren't technically his fault, he also had the, the, the luxury of being, well, I am new. And so I can change things because I'm just started here. Nothing is locked in. Uh, and so the beginning process I thought was, was good because it was just uh, information gathering and just a care and listening thing where he got in touch with me, got in touch with other alumni. And again, and again, he was getting stories from all across the board from either racial insensitivity to outright racism to sexism to potential assault and then like you know because it crossed not, not just you know uh uh racial boundaries but also uh uh, uh gender boundaries and and respective space and all that stuff 
And so he was getting a lot of that information. Um, and so those that first few months uh, during the summer when that letter was sent was was that. And I think, and not just for him, but also the professors, the professors I was close to too, them getting these stories and me reaching out to them. And because I was there, you know, over the years become their peer and their friends, be like, hey, you know, some some of these alumni have some pretty uh, uh, disturbing allegations and or like experiences that maybe you weren't aware of or you were aware of and now in hindsight, uh, but basically, hey, you need to sit and reckon with this and maybe reach out to them or do your own work and just, you know, do this and like, but yeah, so there was, it was definitely a lot of that. And I think the, at least from my perspective, they did a good job of like not reacting right away to be like, oh, we're gonna, you know, this, this, and this is like, okay, we'll take information. We, we, we recognize that we received it, which I think is important to let them know we received the letter and we are in process. And so at the beginning was, was good because it was just that. And in regards to me, it was just spending these couple of months constantly facilitating information to him uh, and getting alumni to facilitate, facilitate information to him uh, and to talk to him and into other faculty, staff and departments, just getting people to be like, hey, well, such and such is willing to listen and this and that and so guiding people uh in in those directions so uh for at least for that it felt good uh how that started so first off let's let's take a pause here and 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 hats off to you ryan really and recognize the fact that uh you saw an opportunity and you in all reality you risk yourself uh because especially when we're talking about this sort of topic it's re it's really hard to predict how how the other side is going to react and how the other mm -hmm. one you know uh the uh uh i'm very much generalizing this but the 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 white side the kind of go-to reaction tends to be very defensive right mm -hmm. and uh and defensive can sometimes be manifest itself as aggression and, and, and anger and frustration and a bunch of other negative things. And in turn, you're putting yourself at risk at that. You're putting yourself potentially in the sights of all that. So, and, and I'm sure you know that, and I'm sure you recognize that. And the fact that you thought that through and inserted yourself in there anyways, or at least offer yourself up uh, is very commendable. So, so congrats for you doing that. Uh, and I also want to address that I, you know, I think the last summer taught a lot and also the fact of, you know, a little bit of maturity being in my early thirties now and like knowing what it is that you want in your life and like how you want to move through the world, I think definitely affected my ability to do this. And also, and also, and, and, and I come from a place of privilege because I didn't have a traumatic experience at the school, you know, it wasn't painful for me to go and push for this to happen because there's you know alumni I talk to and even cursors who are like doing this is too scary and because I did have a pleasant experience at the school and I maintained a good relationship and because of the way you know the arts work and you know the way I I've conducted myself I just saw that that it it, it was much easier for me because I wasn't coming from a place of pain it was from a place of wanting the place to be better and knowing that they could could be better and so the proof of not having suffered any trauma also made it easier for me. But I also recognize like 
it is probably it, I'm going to have to be one of the people to do it because I don't have any fear or any any negative energy that comes from trying to do this. And so I also recognize that there, I had a privilege in doing so and that and also the summer we were all stuck. I wasn't doing anything as well. There's like, well, I might as well put all my energy in this thing because, you know, I, I can. And so if I'm if I'm if I am out here protesting and, and about that life of being like, I do want to see actual change then I need to put my money where my mouth is. And so I saw it as the opportunity of like, I can't change the entire United States, but maybe I can cause a little wrinkle in this place I went to school. And, and so to me, it, it just felt like if it's not now, then it's never, then, you know, then mm -hmm. I'm not the person that I claim myself to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank, thank you for clarifying that. That, that is important for our uh, audience to hear of, mm -hmm uh as you say your your place of privilege your your lack mm -hmm. of trauma and and how that helped prepare you propel you forward um uh i i also wanted to share uh something that you may not know yet uh hopefully you find out soon but if you listen to our last episode uh the essentially the way that that episode signed off was uh we asked ralph for his kind of closing bits of advice and one of the first things that he said was to all universities out there, please reach out to your recent alums. Uh, uh, you're really underestimating the value that there is in those alums. And, and here you are, a recent alum of the UF, of UF and, and um, coming back and helping out and, and essentially succeeding. So, uh, so you, you've offered yourself up there to, to Peter, to the director, and it seemed like he took you up on your offer. And uh, as you said, we're now a year out. So uh, let's expand on that. And what what has happened now in this year? What continues to happen? Uh, how do you continue to be a resource? And how do you see just other places that, that can kind of learn from the example and, and maybe even make things even better than what you had to do? Yeah, sure. And obviously, Jen, feel free to jump in because Jen is works at the University of Florida School of Theater Dance. So she also has much more intimate knowledge than I do. Um, but from, from the work that I saw happen, there was a lot of uh, town hall Zoom meetings. And I'm sure Jen can attest to, and I know I heard Peter say that, that those were difficult early on because figuring out first off how to do it, how to make sure that it was an efficient and helpful uh, uh, forum, what, you know, took some trial and error. But a year out, at least the last one I saw was running relatively smoothly and things seem to be good and like the, the the foundation of building of like how the the undergrads the current students and even alumni who join in, joined in on these zoom town halls could communicate has gotten significantly better uh a language has started to be built of like what it is that the meetings are for uh they become even more specific as at first it started out general and that was a little chaotic and then it started to get tailored tailored to this group started to be formed uh committees and stuff like that so a system started to be put into place that now these town halls which i think are great and it seems like peter's going to continue to do uh maybe not as much as they were last time because now as things start it was rules and or mandates start to fall into place you know there's things that that check out but like communicating with your current students in an open forum in a structured open forum is extremely healthy for i think any department but especially in uh, the arts department we're like, we all live in our feelings. So you know, I think it's important for us to be able to express those things. And because we're working close in close uh, proximity with each other. And so 
the building of open form communication was one of the great things that they built has continued to do so. Stating action plans and then following through on that, you know, whether it be for the faculty and staff, which is, you know, uh, training, readings, things like that, them having hard conversations. And again, Jen can attest to, to that as well, too. Uh, and from what I've heard from my professor friends and from Peter, like, you know, there's some professors who are resistant and some who kind of still are or learning to get across across that line. It takes some people a little bit longer to do the, the removal of certain people, which was definitely part of that letter. I'm sure as many of the other letters these other universities have of removal of problematic people uh, that were too archaic, uh, too damaging in many ways. Um, and, you know, and in the ways they can remove people because I'm, there's tons of red tape when it comes to how how you remove either tenured, tenured or 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 faculty that have been there a while, and rightfully so, teachers should be protected. I'm a huge advocate for teachers being protected, but then you do have the the downside of like if there's someone who is dangerous and problematic, the system protects them too strongly, and then it's hard for their them to be removed or play, uh, taken elsewhere when when you have mounting evidence, um, and so. So that removal of certain people or, or removal of privileges from certain faculty and staff that started coming into place. Um, some some things here and there of like, oh, we'll bring in alumni do Zoom uh, master classes and things like that. And Peter wanting to create, you know, parts of the budget that will uh, will go for that in the future. Um, and then, you know, now the University of Florida in general, the umbrella University of Florida started passing out grants. And as I mentioned earlier before, that you know, one of the faculty members there, Ryan Travis Johnson, uh, Ryan Hope, Ryan Hope Travis, sorry, uh, he he was able to get a grant to help uh, create a new piece that would be part of, of a reconciliation uh, with the alumni, and that's why I was brought into that project where I can get uh, black alumni from the past who have not been to the school since they left because of their trauma and pain to come and do this project, which is about reconciliation and truth in that's uh, about uh, a local tragedy and that the still students will be able to come back here, come back into the school, have a healing opportunity with uh, with the school itself, be back in there, be welcomed back in with Peter and other faculty staff who were there to like rebuild that that connection. And as you said, rebuilding with your alumni. And I think it's important that those alumni feel safe now that they could come back. And so it's these programs have been put into place. And granted, you know, COVID has also delayed some things rather than others, but the fact that they keep holding themselves accountable, being part of the uh, Broadway for Racial Justice and like becoming part of these uh, equity groups that will help them continue to build programs and, and new language and structures for the future and hope and, you know, part of updating curriculum and all that stuff is, you know, started to come and fall into place a year later, as opposed to like right then and there. And, and rightfully so, the students felt frustrated at the beginning, like, why aren't you doing this, this, and this? And yes, sometimes we want things to change right away. And I think this came from, you know, which was helpful for me, being slightly distant, you know, being able to talk to some of the undergraduate students, like, hey, some of this is going to take a little time, but also going to the faculty staff, like, hey, I know some things take a little bit of time, but there's some things that you guys need to, like, do right now and or make a public statement and, like, letting, helping them, especially Peter, you know, letting Peter know like there's some things you should probably make more public so you're more transparent with the students is that the thing they have is that they're not they don't feel included and they feel like you're constantly hiding stuff and granted they're also smart individuals they'll know that there's some things you'll have to because of you know 
uh, faculty privilege and things like that you can't reveal, but some things you don't need to be so coy with, like you can be upfront about. And so watching that language, watching that communication change over the last year, and I think that's the biggest thing is communication huge in that way. And then all the work that the faculty staff have been doing or been required to do, uh, the opportunities for students to take, you know, to take in more information, how reporting instances work, the new structure, all those things. And so as the year went on, you know, I also backed off less and less as I also realized like, okay, my, I'm not needed, you know, which is what something, you know, what you always want. You're like, okay, they're doing stuff. So now I, I don't need to be part of the thing because now they're doing it on their own. And so I only need to be come, come in for the fun stuff or, and, or like things like this project, like, Hey, can you bring people in where you start facilitating in that, that aspect? And so, yeah. And, and just watching how the school's also reaching out to other alumni, at least I know now another acting alumni of mine who friend of mine who, you know, is reaching out about potential another project with the, with the school and theater dance, hopefully down the line wants to see have the template of this one. It's like, Oh, can we repeat this now with other alumni and other forms? Can this become a, uh, a ritual and so so yeah so that's a little scatterbrain but all encompassing of like what this whole year has done and um at least from my perspective and you know so at least it seems like everything is going well but again i'm not in the nitty-gritty now uh so you know i only get the information that they're uh, that i asked for uh and so as i said before jen will probably be more clarifying on like what has worked what hasn't worked in, in that sense but from further back as an alumni, it, it looks, it's better, it's improving. And I think the alumni, especially the ones who I've been working with are seeing seeing some things change and it's it's easing some of their their tension. And, and, and hopefully when they come into town to do this project, they'll feel more uh, at peace and happy. And then that will start to bleed into the other tentacles of uh, the alumni that are all over the country. Mm -hmm. So, uh to, to kind of summarize a, a lot of great things that seems to be happening, uh, but as far as what happened in this past year, it seemed uh, like your role was uh, uh, not only facilitator to other alumni and, and between current faculty, current administration and, and making that connection, bridging that connection, uh, but you, you kind of upheld the accountability, it seemed like as well too, as as they work through changes, as they kind of figure out what steps to take, uh, mm -hmm. it, se it seemed like you were the, I say this very kindly, but you were that nagging voice on the shoulder of like, <laughs> check yourself, check yourself. That ain't right. That ain't right. Or no, yeah. this. sometimes yeah, you yeah. have to be, yeah, yeah, yeah or, absolutely. You know, uh, you know stop or just to be there to answer any, anyone's frustration of right. like just providing clarity uh, sure. is also important too, because, you know, they can be heated, but then you need someone else to be like, hey, they really meant this or they meant that just take a step back it's, it's not as immediate as you think or maybe this thing is immediate so just address that and the other things will come in time you know what i'm saying right. like they'll you'll be given grace if one thing is handled and shown you'll be given grace to be the next one next thing gets handled in that and that and that yes yes and what truly what truly a beautiful thing really when a person comes up to you and just says i don't understand i don't get it mm -hmm. uh you know, to uh, being able to admit that to oneself uh, is yeah. it's very humbling. And yes, to use your words, it it it, it provides you with a lot of grace uh, by by doing yeah. that. Because I think it's also to remember too, as I you know explain to you know 
the faculty staff and also the students as well too that there's also some people not everyone's going to be made happy and that's also important to recognize too that some people's traumas too much or that they're living it like there's some things that things will that require other help that you just aren't capable of doing and just know that there's some anger and some resentment that just can't be shaken you know and you know that that you know you all you can do is try your best if you are legitimately trying your best and being there and that if you notice there's still a pushback either on either side just know that there's sometimes some people have to take their own personal journey as well too and that's also important to remember that sometimes that individual has to get to their own healing place and other aspects as well too and maybe they're not ready for for this as well you know or they they think they want more but really it's something else so that's also important to recognize that this stuff also requires the individuals in each of these things to be to check in with themselves and to know what's happening with them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you you talked about when when the letter or the uh around the time of the creation of the letter, the delivery letter, you talked about uh, some alumni saying, although I support this movement, I support this message, I'm, I'm a little too afraid, you know, uh, because of my, uh, wh whoever the my is. Um, mm -hmm. Now that there's a year's worth of work out there, and, and again, in the right direction, any, any stories of, of those people kind of turning over a new leaf uh, or opening themselves up a little more uh, uh, and kind of mm -hmm. coming around and and not just providing support in in spirit at a distance but uh, maybe kind of being brought into the fold a bit more I mean with this project there uh, the one that I'm doing with the black alumni and the current students here um, there are a few of those individuals are in this project and so, you know, I think taking that first step of wanting to be a part of this was that. And, you know, I think it's not until this experience is over once they get here, will they really know and feel whether or not they've they've gotten there. Um, so definitely some of those those ones who really experience stuff are in this in this group. But they're but what I can see from in the rehearsals that we're doing uh, is that they're excited and want to be part of it. And so I think they're they they're hopeful, the fact that the school is doing this, they're being compensated as performers too, which is you know great, they're not doing this for free or anything like they're being compensated as the artists as they are. Um, hopefully that compensation grows as this, something like this continues to, to happen. And, but, uh, but yeah, so at least personally, there seems to be, you know, joy and hope in this process with some of those alumni who were very traumatized and, and hurt during their time here at the school. And so, but I, I well, no, for sure, for sure, until they're here in person and they're back in that school because they haven't been in a long time. So who knows what emotional reactions they'll have being there, seeing people that they'll see. Uh, so that's still an unknown. But we're, you know, myself and Ryan Travis and uh, E. Stanley Richardson, who's one of the local uh, artists here in town, who's, who's part of producing this project as well, too, is that we'll be there to provide support. We'll be there for each other because that's all you, you can be. And then, you know, I know Peter will also be actively trying to be there to be a uh, 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 a uh, a provider of support in the new phase of what the school is going to do, and so there's still an unknown, and that's also okay, you know, because you know these things are 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 unpredictable. But at least at this at this at this juncture, you know, certainly the alumni that are part of this, the ones who've suffered a lot, seem very happy and 
and that this is doing they're, and they're legitimately just happy to come back that they you know they never thought something like this could happen and so they're actually excited and or curious about how it's going to be so i think that's a better place than being resistant sure that, that's a huge big step more so for them as individuals but yeah that, that's a that's a huge step uh mm-hmm. So, so congrats to, to really the school of theater, you know, of, mm-hmm. of all together uh, yourself and, and current past and present students uh, uh, cre- creating this, this program. That's awesome. Um, you know, hindsight's always 2020. We always kind of learn. And even during these moments, uh, anything that you see that you could have improved upon or any any obstacles that you see on the horizon uh that's the, mm. the next thing you know obviously overcoming racism is a huge <laughs> to, to i mean we'll, we'll get past that in like five years we'll be fine Racism <laughs> will be there in five years. It'll be okay. <laughs> but once you clear that it's gonna be great yeah, uh, yeah. but uh <laughs> um from what it could be done better i don't I, I can't really pick anything out because again it was besides being able to be in person but you know you had a whole pandemic so that was impossible so i think you know i think anyone wishes that if they could do anything it was that a lot of this stuff could have been handled in person because you know some communications lost over email and you know or even through zoom like being able to have instant like feeling someone's energy in the room is also vital to healing as well too and i think uh uh i think any regret would be like ah shit man i wish we this pandemic didn't happen, but without the pandemic happening, this might not have happened. Who knows? So like, mm-hmm. I think it's hard to, to distance the two for a lot of this stuff. I think pandemic made all, all of us as humans realize what, you know, what we wanted in our lives and what we saw, what was wrong and the system was broken. And so nothing in terms of wanting to change that, um, what the hurdles I've seen in the future could just be, you know, what happens with a lot of things that the energy dies down, there's apathy, there's a lack of, of drive. So I think it, it requires the student body and the faculty and staff to remain vigilant and uh, still pushing for those things to happen. And I think the education of that from faculty and staff to the students and that even the incoming freshmen so that they are made known of what the program is trying to do, past stuff. Like I think making sure those doors of information are open so that the, the drive continues to be there. Um, and and yeah, and that you know, again, you just don't rest on your laurels because you know, you know, something else might come up in a couple of years that may not be specifically racial trauma. You know, say maybe you know, could be gender, or could be another big upheaval of something. But if you've been doing the work and you have these things in place and and a much healthier system in place, it will be handled in the way it should be handled, which is uh, immediately with care and and consideration and the people who need to be held accountable are held accountable and everyone's made safe and that educating still you know is able to continue and uh and those things aren't uh in and any of that trauma does is able to be healed and resolved so that so that they can the students that come there for what they you can get what they wanted to get from coming to that program which is become better artists and better people mm-hmm. and also for the faculty and staff to have a a fantastic time teaching because you know they're there because they want to be teachers and they want to make cool shit with these with these young artists and like that's the whole reason we want to go to school or at least they just go like to make cool shit and so like if if we can get to that 
that you know and that is what the school is humming at at 90 percent of the time then i think you're doing a pretty pretty damn good job mm-hmm. i'm not going to say anything new when i say this uh but I've, I've been involved in lots of anti-racism conversations with different settings as i'm sure you have and and at some point in time, it seems like in any of those conversations, regardless as to who the groups are that are talking, uh, the 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 one thing that is said is that th- this is work. This is mm-hmm. work to overcome. This is work, and yeah, you got to stay focused. Yeah, you, you can't back down. You can't lose your energy. You got to keep your eye on a prize, which, which is, you know, how amazing would that prize be? You know, if if we were. If, if, if your words were only true of five years, we're going to be done with this, you know, uh, yeah. man, I'd, I'd, I'd be <laughs> bring back 10 out of 12s, you know, I'll put, I'll put in yeah. those hours. If yeah. you tell me five years is over, I'll put in those hours. Uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think it's, it's good advice for all of us. Uh, those of uh, that identify as BIPOC and those that don't of this is work, this is work on both sides and uh, just lots of patience and we gotta kind of keep at it. We can't give up, can't go it's up also, it. It's also healing for, you know, cause it's, you know, it's not just beneficial for the BIPOC students, but it's also uh, there for the, the white students. So white identifying students that, and the faculty and staff, like this stuff helps heal, you know, systems that were built into them of how they view the world and stuff. And like, and also allows them to know how to, how to interact uh, with care with people who are different than who they grew up with or any of that. So like it prepares them for the world and makes them at, you know, feel better. And like, it, it just helpful for everyone. Cause it also exposes them, you know, especially if it comes to like the changing of curriculum stuff, it exposes them to other wonderful artists, it inspires them as artists and people. So like, it's not just beneficial for the BIPOC students, but it's, it's beneficial for the, for the white students as well. And the white faculty and staff that when you're able to create a, a, a safe of, a place of safety, inclusivity, and also accountability, you know, because the idea isn't that we just like, everything is safe, we're, we're going to, you know, every, teach, treat everyone with, you know, with uh, gloves and, you know, all that stuff, like, no, like, you know, there, people should be held accountable and you can have difficult conversations or talk about difficult things and move past that stuff, you know, everything, because if everything is just not touched, then, then you end up in the same situation or like if everyone's given too much, you know, like, oh, space to do that, no, you, you have to, address these things, you know, when you do that, then it only makes you better wherever you're from, whoever you are, however you identify. Uh, and so I think it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing for everyone, not just the BIPOC folk that are experiencing for everyone. Of course, of course. And in, in this pod bar here, we uh, were kind of a little biased using the phrase of critical conversations mm. uh, as opposed to difficult conversations, but it's all the same. It's all the same. Great. No, great. great. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but yeah, and you know, and on the flip side, how easy is it to just, to just get to say, I'm going to be a Monday through Friday activist, you know, and then you get mm-hmm. to Saturday, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to take a break. Cause it's been a lot, you know, and, yeah. and then all of a sudden your weekend break turns into a week, turns into a month and <laughs> sure, yeah. you, you kind of straight away, straight away from the mission. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree with everything that you're just saying of, of just stay strong, stay focused, and keep up the work, because uh, it is work. Um, so uh, I, I guess as we kind of begin to wrap up here and close off, uh, uh, one of my final questions would be, with having had the experience that you did here with UF and, and this connection, 
recommendations to either other early alums uh, or alums in general uh, and other schools as far as how how do they make that connection what what's how, how can how can they kind of get together and come along who reaches to who or what's the best way or uh, any sure. advice there yeah I mean uh, I would suggest that if you're alumni who's feeling that uh, you want something to change at your alma mater um, either for the court current students or for the alumni build better relationships you know reach out to you know if you have it reach out to whoever you had a good relationship with first you know if it's a faculty or professor or something like that that's a i think a great option talk to someone who that you had a good relationship with first because that's it's going to be a much easier pathway because you're both coming from a place of care and love or you know at least or at least of mutual respect because then that can lead to to the more critical discussions about what you would like and then hopefully that starts to expand okay kid maybe we talk to you know the the director of the school or do you know maybe talk to the dean we talk about these things and like let it start be a place of where just stories are told and like and those things are expressed because then what peter also witnessed you know from all these alumni companies is you started to see patterns because that's also important because once you know you have these stories and, and feelings they'll all have a similar pattern where you ought to where you'll single out certain people or certain things that were happening they're like okay here's that's this is the problem in the system so now we see what's an issue so then it gives you a tangible way to attack uh certain things and fix them uh, or alter them or change them whatever you whatever you want it to be but i think one easy first step is reach out to someone you may know there that 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 could open you up to other people so yeah if it's your favorite professor or whatever it is or someone who worked at the shop or whatever like it doesn't matter like hey i think this because this happened and you know what's going on just like just check in what's going on what's happening and then start to bring others along with you who who aren't who also want to share or or like maybe there's remain anonymous but you start to you know open up that thing of communication um and then yeah in that way you could start you maybe already have a plan of ideas or you start building those ideas with those people and you know, if you see that pathway gets blocked, maybe you find another way, or you go above and beyond. You know, because that's you know, luckily Peter worked was working really well with the dean and and all. So like they were already working in tandem. But you know, if you feel like the director is refusing, or there's a faculty group that's refusing to acknowledge anything, then then just know that sometimes you're gonna have to go higher than them. And if you go to go higher than them, you will it will require more. Uh, it requires numbers and so that's where more alumni or the undergrads or anything start to union unionize together basically come together as a group and that provides pressure uh and you know pressure is important but that's only if you meet resistance uh it, at that point where you think okay now we need to use the strength of our numbers and make make some noise but definitely just the first reach out just talk wherever you wherever you know there just start to talk and then see where that leads you it's always so amazing to me during all these critical conversations, regardless of the topic of uh, one asked, hey, what is that first step to take? Like, how, how do we how do we progress in the right direction? The answer is always so simple. You know, it's just just like yours right now. Just just reach out. Just talk. Mm -hmm. That's all. That's all it takes. That's all just. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's amazing to kind of think back of like, oh, yes everything that 
Brian just said makes perfect sense. And yet it's a very difficult thing for people uh, to just talk, you know? Yeah. And if um, you can, and that's, if you, you're in your the place that you could do it, do it. If you've, again, like in my situation, if you had a good time at your school, but you saw that your, your brothers and sisters were all suffering from it for before or after, and you feel like, well, I guess I didn't. So I, I, there's, it's no skin off my back to go ahead and, and jump into this fire. Then, then jump in, you know, use, use that, the strength that you have to, to come forward. Right. Right. Uh, well, Ryan, uh, thank you. Thank you very much for all your time, for all your words of wisdom here. Uh, congratulations on all the great work that it sounds like you're doing and, and please do pass on uh, my congratulate our congratulations here to the other alums that have been working with you and yeah. to everybody involved in this alumni project. That sounds like a really cool thing. Not, not something that personally I've heard about uh, many universities doing and mm-hmm. uh, what a great thing if it does become a, a tradition of sorts, if, if it does yeah. become part of the curriculum. So congratulations again. And, and again, thank you for your time. Uh, this is huge. It's huge to, uh, hear your voice to hear your story and to put it on such a platform that hopefully many others can potentially benefit from. Uh, so yeah. thank you. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess as, uh, as to the rest of our audience, as we begin to close up here on this series, uh, thank you uh, to our, again, our other two past guests, Ralph Zito from Syracuse University, Rudy Perez from University of Michigan, uh, for their stories, for uh, their contributions to the series. And uh, we invite you all to kind of stay tuned to our next uh, episode where we, we've, we've unpacked a lot, we've unraveled a lot, and uh, we'll, we're just kind of going to reflect upon it and, and, and see what we learn from it, uh, connect some dots and, and think back to what our own next steps could be and, and, and future and whatnot. And um, maybe we even discover some new resources here, but uh, a little moment of reflection, both of the past and in the future. Uh, so thank you all again. Uh, please continue listening. Uh, you can find our podcast on every place that you listen to podcasts pretty much. Uh, so thank you all and to all good night, John, Jen, thank you, Ryan. Thank you all again. Thank you. Good night.